Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 167 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today we have a special where I have an interview for you with Steve Howarth on his miniature work for Moon. Hello! Hello! Who is it? Well, first of all, First of all, thank you for inspiring me with your work in the old original version of Sci-Fi and Fantasy Modeling Magazine, which is the first time I, I ever saw your work. Right. And I'm especially thinking of Ouch. Your, okay. Your, your original design, Ouch. And I can remember just like staring and staring at that and thinking, well, this is amazing. I want to make one. And I never did in the end. But no, no uh, that was a terrific little design you made. Well, thank you very much. Um, but it's uh, it wasn't my best in terms of technique, but I think the idea went a long way, certainly with um, Matt Irving, who was one of the judges. But uh, Bill was actually a, another judge um, on that as well. Um, oddly, he, he voted against me, apparently. On did he one. tell you... Did he, uh, how long did he leave it before he actually finally told you that? Oh, it was years later. I mean, you never quite know whether he's just having a laugh or not. But he—he he, sometimes he has this uh, way, and he—he he just said, "Well, I voted against you," and uh, you'd think, "Well, that's ironic." You know, you've—you've you've employed me for 17 years, off and on. Um, but uh, you can well believe it. You can well believe it because the actual guy who I think probably should have won, Brian Tutty, had done this fantastic sort of. Um, insect guard uh, it's about action man size and it was just beautifully finished and I felt a bit guilty actually winning but I think this is the thing that whole levitation thing that's what won the day yeah and it was the fact that the character was actually holding it up and and all that and uh um so the finish was less important it's 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 like a lot of things today you know people get bogged down with technique and you know the finish of the thing and that you're sort of missing the core creativity of it and you know that is you know the writing or whatever and i i just think we 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 can get lost with the the technical side of it yeah i mean that's what was the the the, the stopper for me when i'm flicking through the magazine was that is and the listeners don't know what on earth we're talking about, but on Facebook, I will put up a photo of your right. ouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it is the way I, I, I can remember. Look at that photo. And uh, so you basically, you've got like a brain in a hovering yes. robot body robot, and a yeah. man maintaining it. Yeah. And it's like, how is that working? And yeah, it's not until I got your book that I realized that there's a brass armature up through the figure yeah. and into the robot, wasn't there? Well, I just got lucky, I suppose, with the pose. I mean, I, you have to choose um, a position that made it look like he was actually pushing against it um, or else it wouldn't have worked. So, you know, that sort of 
created the illusion. And then, yeah, there was a brass pipe uh, soldered up and going through his body. And you had to make sure that that didn't interfere with that posture. So, yeah, it was quite, you know, I, I was obviously had a bit of a brainstorm with that one. But, uh, yeah, and all the wires for the electrics went up the tube for the uh, LEDs and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know why I was doing it. I just knew it was going to lead somewhere. Hmm. And it got me into college, you know, in a heartbeat, you know, so. Have you still got it? No, unfortunately not. I've still got the brain. I don't know what happened to it. I think it fell off the table and broke. No, right. So then I thought, oh, well, I'll, let's just scavenge the bits for something else. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, 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 I wasn't particularly proud of the uh, the finish. So I thought, well, you know, we'll make, if we're going to make another one, we'll make another one and we'll make it better. Right. So I wasn't that precious to keep it. Um, really. Is that why you kept the brain? Because you thought, oh, I can use the brain well, in I can a new use design. Brain, perhaps, yeah, and I've yeah. still got that. And uh, in fact, I did use that in a in a job <laughs> recently because a chap in America commissioned me to make this little character uh, called BrainBot. Uh, he was going to do stop motion with it. And I actually used uh, the brain from Ouch in it. Oh, I right. cast it. And then I did latex uh, stuff. He wanted it glowing, of course. So I had to do these uh, latex uh, brains and then put lights inside. So it actually glowed. Um, maybe I can find pictures of that and you can stick that. Yeah, that would be um, cool. On that. there as well. So that, that was like 30 years after the event. <laughs> <laughs> I reused that brain. Excellent stuff. Um, <clears throat> now, today... We're, we're we're going to be talking about Moon, but before we get to Moon, um, can I just ask you a few questions um, on your career leading up to it? Mm -hmm. um, in your book, you say that you know an influence on you when you were a nipper was uh, you know the reruns of the '30s Flash Gordon and Ray Harryhausen films. Yeah. Um, no mention of Jerry Anderson, but you're roughly the same age as me, and um, I know me and my friends we we, we adored the Jerry Anderson shows. Were you a fan of them? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I used to love Thunderbirds and uh, uh, it was just I was limited with, you know, how many pages this book was going to be. And um, I just thought it, I took it for granted that everybody loved uh, Jerry gotcha. Anderson um, and, you know, who didn't, you know, it's just like so obvious. Um, but uh, yeah, Jerry Anderson, you know, Fireball XL5, Stingray, you know, used to love it. You know, so but there was there was Jerry Anderson, of course, um, but I, it didn't sort of carry on. It didn't take over. You know, I didn't. Nothing really took over. I mean, even when you're influenced by something like Blade Runner, I didn't go off and start making a load of spinners. You know, it just it was just there at the back of my mind. So yeah, I didn't. It, well, it was thing is all my creative leanings were sort of suppressed anyway. Right, and that that's also in the book. Mm. Um, so that didn't sort of come out again until a bit later. Okay. But yeah, cer certainly, uh, you know, Jer Jerry Anderson was. Uh, I used to thoroughly enjoy. Um, well, we Fireball XL Five. I was about two years old, I think, when that was on the TV, and I was glued to the set. You know, so uh, yeah, I think it was first broadcast in 1962. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, it was. It was something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I. So I was too. 
Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's funny because I I, I rewatched <coughs> Moon uh, the other day, and then the next day I watched a, a Captain Scarlet, um, which is called Crater One Hundred One, where they find a misdrawn base on the moon. Right. And it is you know it, it is quite incredible to watch the effects of Moon. And then watch Derek Meddings and Co's work, you know, in Captain Scarlet on a lunar landscape. And, you know, um, it's it's like a, a, a heritage of model making, isn't it? Real model making, you know. Um, I can definitely see the similarities. And, you, you, you know, with Moon, I mean, when, you know, James Cameron came over here to do Aliens, you know, I, I know he showed the effects guys episodes of Thunderbirds. And he said, Look, I, I want the dropship sequence to be like Thunderbird 2, you know, like this. Well, during prepping for Moon, you know, was there talk about, um, you know, we want to do it in the style of Derek Meddings or anything like that? No, not at all. We never did. Um, I mean, we knew it was going to be lit harshly, but, you know, pretty much from one direction, as, you know, people believe there's only one sort of light, source of light on the Moon. <laughs> and in fact, there are more than one. Um, I mean, you've got the sunlight and you've also got earth light earth light yeah <laughs> yeah and you've got the light coming up from the surface of the moon because it's so bright when you look up at the moon isn't it and then you've got probably starlight to a lesser degree you've got light bouncing off the suits and everything else but in general it was just uh, one source of light and you'll see you know compared to a lot of the medding stuff it was harshly lit so we had that going for us but again low budget you know we we You'd think nowadays we could stick in, you know, uh, sophisticated suspension systems, which I know they didn't have in Derek's day. I mean, they used bits of sponge and stuff, yes. didn't they, for <laughs> the suspension. So well, we couldn't see that. So, I mean, I think we had about 10 mil of travel on the suspension, but it didn't work. Um, not that you would have perceived 10 mil of travel on the wheels anyway, but uh, th there was just no time for anything. Right. Really, I mean, right. the, it, the the springs used were all different tensions, and there was no time to wait for an order to arrive from RS to 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 get all even springs. So springs were all different, and uh, the pistons would catch inside the cylinders, and uh, it was because of their heavy wheels. Um, I mean, I've heard this said before. Oh, yeah, it trundles across the moon, uh, you know, Thunderbird style, but. I don't know. I, th I I I don't think they looked as modelly as that because I think when you look back at the stuff from Thunderbirds, it's all very good, but you know you can tell they're models. They they very stylized the designs, aren't they? Yeah, and and not quite as heavy on the detail, um, and you know which I think we've sort of achieved with Moon, but uh, oh typical <laughs> do you want me to pause the recording no no it's all right i've just uh turned it up i was nearly going to ring a couple of my friends and say look don't ring me for the next hour oh, <laughs> and that's dear. them ringing saying you haven't rung anyway yeah. um all right so um before we go proper into moon um you, you know in your book um I, i'm just so surprised you know you did is that it you can say it's a budgie. It's just a budgie in the background. Um, yeah. So so much work that you've done over the years for things, you know, just wasn't used. You know, like um, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with your terrific little Vogon in the cabin. Oh right. Do you find that gutting that you go to all that effort and not one, or, or, or it's barely up there for a split second? I 
think I was more gutted that it got stolen from the set. What's the what? what that's the Vogon cab. Uh, yeah, the tr the tram, the Vogon, the lot. Yeah, it, very soon after shooting, it was stolen off the set. Um, but no, um, it, it's a bit gutting. But then something like Moon comes along and makes up for it all. So um, you know, the 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 disappointments of the past don't really really matter that much. But as long as some of the stuff gets on screen, great. But you know, I suppose if you were Every, th every single thing you did ended up on the cutting room floor, I think you'd start thinking, why is this? Is it because my stuff is rubbish? Yeah, gotcha. You know, gotcha. but um, no, uh, AVP, that got on the screen and that was satisfying. Bond was a disappointment. Uh, then Moon came along and that's like, wow, you know. Were you surprised when you got the call from Bill saying look, look, that we're going to do this science fiction film? I mean, you, you, you know, by the time that you would have got that call, we were we, we were fully ensconced in CGI effects. Were you surprised to get a call saying, no, they want practical old style effects? Well, mm, they didn't. They didn't. I mean, it, I think they originally intended on going with CG. And then, you know, Duncan came in the workshop and was asking Bill... Um, how much would you charge us for 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 this? And I think it was a rover that they'd sort of shown him draw, drawings for. And uh, Bill told him the cost, and Duncan said, "Are you missing a naught of this?" And he said, "No, no, that's the price." So I think because of the cost um, of the miniatures, that's what you know uh, swung them that that way. Because I think at the time, I think CGI boys were still charging quite a lot per hour. Um, compared to model model guys, I think model guys were on about twenty an hour. Um, CGI boys were on about seventy an hour. Right. So you know it was more economic. Even though you have to get the stage, get the cameras, get the lighting guys, all the rest of it. I think maybe he still did want the feel as well um, in his heart, uh, Duncan of models, and uh, yeah, I'm glad he did because it 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 does have that grittiness. Uh, to it that, that I don't think computer graphics really had back then anyway um, without spending an enormous amount of money mm. um, on, you know, dust and, uh, you know, all that stuff. They did add, add dust uh, to the harvester as it went along. So that was all Cinesite right. um, post-production. Um, but... Yeah, I'm probably digressing now, am I? No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, you did an awful lot of work on Moon. You know, you did the, the, the Rovers, the Harvesters, uh, Gertie, you know, some things that weren't used in it, like the, the space shovel and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but were you told that from the beginning, you're going to be doing everything? Or was it a case no, of you no, signed no, no. on to do one thing and then it just snowballed? Well, no, it was a team. I mean, it was a team. But uh, Bill, you know, in the main knows that I work better, you know, on my own. Um, so he'll give me a project and he'll sort of kind of expect me to take it from the start and take it to fruition, you know. But um, I think maybe they pigeonhole me for fleshing stuff out. So quite a lot of times I'd flesh the majority of the stuff out and then it'd be passed along for somebody else to detail. On occasion, I got to detail things. I mean, I detail the harvester up um i nearly finished detailing one of the rovers but then the three bodies i'd made went across to john and chris 
and they did the crane on the back and the little motor that's on the back of the other one. Gotcha. And um, yeah, you, you couldn't handle all the models on Moon on your own. Nobody could. Um, it's just that I, I, you know, given the hours I was sticking in, I was like an extra man on the team, really. So um, was it a case of, you know, we're falling behind on this. Can you, you know, find time to, you know, come across and help us out on this bit, even though you're working on that bit sort of thing? Well, I mean, uh, even though it's good to stay on a project, you still need a sanity break. So I think occasionally Bill would take me off and have me on something else uh, just to do that. But um, no, it, it, it just happened. I mean, it, uh, maybe this is why I got credit. I don't know. I just look around and thinking, God, we haven't even started the moon base yet, you know, and, you know, we are going to get behind, you know, unless somebody takes charge. So I just stayed back a couple of evenings and uh, rattled together the basic frame of the, the moon base. You know, I remember John Lee coming in one morning going, bloody hell, you know, you know, really surprised at how much I'd done. Right. But, you know, you don't get disturbed. You're on your own, you know. You, you can get a lot done. Um, so, and Bill had these crates, you know, in store, and there was plywood there available. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just the way it panned out. I mean, I think if I'd have gone home at six o'clock every night, I think we might have been in trouble. Mm. So, I think I sort of kind of knew this, re thinking, you know, knowing how how much there was to be done. So I, I was just hoping, you know, that it was a good investment of my time. So as it turned out, it was. Were you given much in the way of artistic license? Were you? Um... Well, it, yes and no. We had we had all the drawings pretty much there given to us from uh, the art department. Uh, Gavin had designed the bulk of all those. Is uh, this the, um, the the craft that you're talking about now? The uh, well, everything, the, Gertie, right. the whole, well, all the interior sets. Um, you know, the vehicles, yeah, all designed by Gavin. Or, well, certain things were very, very simple drawings, like the jammer. Um, the moon base had been drawn out, but we didn't have time to follow that to the letter. So this is why it ended up looking like it looks. I mean, if you compared the moon base with Gavin's drawings, they don't compare. Right. So um, I think because of the ridiculous time that we had, um, Gavin and Duncan both knew that they couldn't be in the workshop every five minutes uh, checking over us and changing things and they, they let us run with it because I think they knew Bill had a um, you know a good history of uh, science fiction and uh, all the people he well certainly most of the people he employed had a sort of penchant towards that as well so you know we were let run with it as long as we stuck with the drawings where we could right you know that was fine we, we could um, put our own little uh contributions to it and uh nothing was really ever said so you know i think they were happy with what they what we'd done well i i guess yeah if you're using your initiative and and you know doing things to cut corners and save on time and money and because you know i, I know from your book you know that uh, especially the um the shuttle at the end, um, that was Bill bringing in, um, you know, CD yeah. racks and stuff like that, that he had in yeah. storage. Yeah. And he, well, he had a vehicle as well, which uh, was already made, um, was about the right size. But I, don't, I think the front end of it 
looked a bit sort of penile, shall we say. And I think uh, Duncan wanted that to look more sort of workaday. So it was a bit too streamlined anyway. So uh, I, I chopped the front end off and put this heat shield on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, sort of what you, well, you barely see it really uh, shooting off the ramp at the end. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's nice to have a little bit of license. I mean, the, the shovel was... Uh, was a special request from Duncan. And I designed that. I just did a, a quick little sketch in Biro. And I said, oh, is this the sort of thing? And he says, yeah. So then I drew it up the size I was going to make it in pencil, more like a tech drawing, and then proceeded to make it out of tube and whatnot. And they loved it. And they actually filmed it. And I saw the rushes, um, and it was on the moon. But... Uh, never used and it's not even in the bonus features which is very strange because apparently duncan loved it right so i'm a bit perplexed with that one maybe it's just it, in his house or something well it what originally when the the first shot on moon was going to be a pan across the lunar landscape and then the shovel would come into shot and you'd realize that there was a human presence on the moon right and then the shot would carry on panning across and you'd come to the moon base and that was going to be the opening shot, which, uh, oh, I would have loved that for something of mine open open the film. But never mind, I can't complain. There's still lots of other stuff up there. Hmm. Um, you being a model maker, can I, can, can I ask you, what, what, which way do you prefer going? Do you prefer going when you make, say you've got to make a craft? Do you prefer, you, you know... Uh, making it from foam core, or whatever you know, in a very in a very pr- precise way, or do you do the Martin Bauer, Bill Pearson route? Do you prefer that where you go off to your pound shop? Because I know, you, yeah, you know, <laughs> in, in in previous jobs that you had, you know, that you were using GI Joe toys and stuff like that, weren't you? Yeah. When you were on space precinct, space you precinct, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, either way, I mean, you get bored of doing the same thing over and over again. You know, so if you're following drawings for the rest of your life, you're going to get bored with that and you're going to want to be a bit free. So, But then sometimes you, you're being free all the time. You you quite like the refreshing sort of what discipline of following a drawing. You know, it's uh, it's, it's just variety, I mm. think, is uh, what I like. But uh, at the moment, I'm avoiding carving shapes because I'm in a sort of rented space and I don't want to make lots of dust. So. Right. Um, but yeah, making things from found objects, I always thought was sort of cheating a bit. Um, I quite like scratch mate, scratch building where, you know, it's from a pattern I've made and then you vac formed over it. Gotcha. Um, but you know, it, I, I, you don't actually see that many interesting shapes around these days. I've not seen any, um, I mean, I haven't been to that many car boot sales lately, but no. you know, it's, uh. It's just space as well. I mean, you know, if I had the space for it, I'd have so much junk. Yeah. Ver- various, you know, used objects lying around. But if, um, I mean, you say space. I mean, space 1999. I mean, you know, back then and the 60s as well, you know, you could go to Woolworths and you would have the most outlandish, um, you know, injection plastic lampshades that you could mm-hmm. easily cut up and turn into that. But you no, know, you yeah. don't, te- like, like you say, you don't tend to see an awful lot of inspiring shapes these days when you walk around the shops. No, I don't. Um, so, I mean, I quite often walk around the uh, 
thrifty shops in this town and have a look around, but uh, don't, often, don't very rarely see anything. I mean, the last fun thing I bought, but I ended up butchering it anyway, was uh, one of these children's toys um, shaped like a turtle. Right. And it just had this uh, brain in it. Um, it was a r rows and rows of lights all coming on at random and then sometimes making shapes and stuff like this. And that was the only part of it which I used um, for uh, a, a droid I was making. So, you know, I set that into the uh, into the robot. But, uh, yeah, I never, not the out outer shape. No, I didn't use that. I discarded that. Um, you say about um, babies' toys, I think it was on Space Precinct, you made something out of a baby's rattle, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which still rattled when you picked it up and shook yes. it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was quite a favourite amongst the crew, that. But, yeah, you'll only see that on a rooftop, you know, fleetingly. Um, but, yeah, I d I, you, you can enjoy making um, odd things work because, uh, you know, you can give the same pile of bits to another person and they'll stick them together a completely different way mm. and it won't look as cool so yeah i quite, quite like uh on a good day you know i've got the knack to do that but uh as bill would say uh oh the wine helps because you don't care which bit goes where <laughs> and uh you just bung it on but th there's something to be said for that because it means you sort of get into that um zen place you know where you know, you're letting cr pure creativity take over because you can labor over stuff. You can, you know, spend hours uh, picking one piece up and trying it in all the different places where you think it might go and still not decide oh, wh where it looks right. So you do have to sort of kind of let go, if you like, and maybe drink, you know, help Bill do that. Mm, yeah. Um, do you like Moon as a film? Did you enjoy it when you saw it's it? Hard, it's hard to say because you get so close to it. Um, I probably would have, but it's, I, I'll never know. You know. Um, were you I that close to it then? So, so if if you go or somebody says, "Come on, we're going to watch Moon," every time there's an effect shot, you're taken back to when that effect was done. Is it? Uh, I, 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 it's hard to say if I ever watched Moon and just thought, "Wow." Yeah, it's it's it is. It's very difficult to be objective when when you've worked on a film, and it does destroy a lot of films uh, sort of effects uh, orientated for you because you know you quite often watch it with your technical head on um, rather than just watching it um, as a film in its own right. And uh, yeah, I think I've probably been spoiled, you know, in that in that aspect. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I quite enjoy films without effects, you know. Um, cowboy films, I mean, they have, yeah, bullet hits and arrow hits and things like that, but they're not effects films as such. So, you know, cowboys or, you know, rom-coms or whatever, I quite enjoy watching other films. So, you it, as a rule then, does that happen then? If you, if you do watch a science fiction film, are you taken out of it because you're wondering how did they do that or, or whatever? Well, nowadays, of course, I... I, I I don't because I know damn well how they've done it. They've done it with computers. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to get into that. And you, then you, you, you free yourself up to get into the story and the script and everything else, but which, of course, these days mostly there is none. Mm. 
So if you're not impressed by the effects, then what have you got? What are you going to be impressed by? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I bet you were very, very pleased when Moon proved to be such a success. Well, that's, I think that's just down to Sam, really, and, and uh, you know, Duncan's direction. And, and the model uh, work. Come on. The script. Well... Yeah, a lot of people say, "Oh, the CG looks funny," you know, because what? it's not C- it's not CG, <laughs> it's models. But no, it's it's it's, it's it was just uh, the fact it was five million dollars, and it just doesn't look like five million dollars at all. Um, and it's the mixture of CG and models, because of course, Cinesite, you know, did a lot of tweaking and. Uh, landscape extensions and uh you know all that sort of stuff so yeah it just it just worked it just seemed to work you know there should be some sort of disclaimers to actually say look this it wasn't cgi (laughs) this is actual stuff i mean you know i mean you you going down to the local quarry you know and uh paying the guy to look the other way while you loaded your boot up with concrete dust you (laughs) (laughs) you don't get stories like that with cgi do you no, no. I mean, yeah, I, I nearly broke my axle doing that. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it, it's yeah, that was part of the fun. Um, I mean, every every rock you see in Moon was was from that quarry. You know, uh, there's one shot where the harvester goes uh, right to left, and there's a huge rock in the foreground. You know, all all, all from the quarry. That's how um, my boot. Uh, you you're thinking to yourself. Yeah, and yeah. crushed concrete. Crushed concrete was the best. Uh, you know, one to use. There was all sorts of different types of rocks available, but that seemed to be the one that had the scale. Um, so yeah, but we had to t- tweak the colour using the same dust we were using on the m- moonscape um, and spray mount the dust onto it so it blended in. But uh, they all worked really well. Yeah, my 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 favourite bit of information that I picked up from. Uh, your time on Moon in your book is the fact that you know Moon basically guest stars David Tennant because you were using a David Tennant Doctor Who action figure for scale purposes, weren't you? But apparently his footprints were to be on the Moon as well. Well, well, we it was an idea because it's one of the details that is actually missing from the film. Um, I mean, this is the thing about reality; it's just detail upon detail isn't it and that was one detail we, we would have liked to have stuck in but um we couldn't because you're constantly having to walk on the stage or on on the sand stroke um dust to correct something and uh you'd undo all the, the footprints and then you'd have to put them back down again and you'd have to put them in the same place or else they'd be animated yes a bit like a bit like king kong's fur you know <laughs> But um, no, it, it 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 was just a figure in the cockpit. Um, there was no time for really sculpting, you know, a, lo- a look-alike Sam Rockwell. Although we were going to do it with the larger rover, because I went down to his uh, dressing room to take some pictures, side and front. We were gonna, I was gonna sculpt, you know, just the head for the large rover, and then you know they were gonna stick that in the uh, in there. But uh, mm-hmm. as it ha- as it happened, you couldn't see in either of the rovers what was going on who was in there or anything so 
it's a blessing in disguise because they would have had continuity errors. Sometimes Sam's got a beard, sometimes he hasn't. Mm. There wasn't there wasn't the time for going in and changing the character uh, to match what was going on in live action. So you know, I think it was just best that you couldn't really see who was in there, but it was just a vague shape. Um, yeah, but at the very least, you 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 got to take photos of Sam Rockwell. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was so starstruck. I mean, I, I, I didn't think for a minute, oh, you know, let's get a selfie. Because he was so nice and so was the woman that was in there with him. I could have just said, you know, can you just take a quick shot of us both? You know, and mm. I could have had a lovely selfie of me and Sam. And uh, I was just too shy, you know. Oh. Never mind. Never mind. Never but he mind. was a great, he was a lovely bloke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you say in your book, yes, yeah. Um, I think that's about it. I, th- I, I think we're done for today. Um, yeah. Moon is a terrific film. Anyone out there um, listening that hasn't seen Moon, I do urge you to, to track it down. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad it's you know got this uh, following now because I remember when it came out, nowhere, I'm, I'm down in Kent, nowhere in Kent showed it. I had to go up to the Odeon uh, Shaftesbury Avenue, showed it. And I remember I went in there and... It was just at the point where where digital was coming in, and the ads and trailers were pin sharp focus, beautiful condition, you know. Then Moon started, and and the print was scratched to buggery, you know. Oh, and it's like, oh, blasting! <laughs> what a shame! Yeah. It's, uh yeah, because they only had about two hundred and fifty copies um, of of the film, uh, which they sent to America. And then they sent 50 copies back to the UK. So there was only 50 copies. And that's yeah. 50, 50 cinemas that were actually showing the in film. In the entire UK. <laughs> yeah. No wonder well, I had to we, travel to see it. We went to see it at Birmingham. It was a special screening because we were doing a and a afterwards. And it was um, uh, one of these IMAX screens. Right. And they showed it. And it was pin sharp. And uh, I said what was that? And they said, that was Blu-ray. And I said, wow, that was amazing. So, you know, the Blu-ray at the time stood up to being shown on an IMAX screen. Mm. But now, of course, they've got 4K and 8K and whatever else. Just gone crazy with the uh, does make you wonder where it's all going to go and end up, doesn't it? Well, yeah, maybe virtual reality films will be something that you experience, you know, Mm. when you slap on the virtual reality and you're actually in it. Mm. You know, which I think might be quite disturbing with some of the films you get today. Yes, yes. You said earlier about, you know, um, at the time of Moon, it, it, it was more expensive, you, you, you know, to CGI something than uh, model make it. Is that still the case now, do you think? Or do you know? I wouldn't have thought so, because we haven't seen a repeat of Moon, really. Um, so I would have thought that CGI, it seems... Directors just don't want to go back to models. They think it's quaint and it's old-fashioned. and Plus, they don't have the control um, that they've got with CGI. With CGI, if they decide they want all the vehicles to be yellow, they can do that. Mm. Um, whereas with models, they've got to commit and they've got to decide uh, what colour they want the models. Uh, and then they've got to film them and you know, they've got to stick by their guns. And if if the director wants a change, like Ridley Scott deciding the Nostromo isn't going to be yellow on it, it'll be grey, then that's a massive delay because it's got to be physically 
repainted, yeah, hasn't it? Exactly, exactly. So I think nowadays, because they're so frightened of making a decision, because there's so much money at stake, uh, they prefer the CGI route because it gives them that uh, last minute, you know, um, option, you know, to leave everything till the last minute. Do you think then that that, that um, we've seen the end of you know large-scale model use in cinema? Uh, probably. Well, I don't know. Certain directors want to, you know, um, insist on it. I think Peter Jackson and people like that who absolutely love models and still use them a lot. And I think the Star Wars franchise still use them quite a bit. Um, so, as to disappearing, I don't know, but low budget certainly still use them because mm. it's quite cheap um is so it is it anything you've you've ever considered um you know moving across into cgi effects or are you the um you know uh plasticine under the fingernails you know scalpel cut type you'd rather you know physically make stuff well it is more satisfying but it's about it's about memory i think my short-term memory isn't up for the, up for the job there's so many buttons to remember with these, uh, with this software, the CGI. Um, right. And at, at the time, I didn't have the cash to buy the software. Um, I think um, Steve Begg was using uh, Lightwave for doing stuff, and uh, you know I couldn't afford Lightwave. So yeah, just, just sort of circumstance, I suppose. But uh, yeah, you just felt that yeah you were catching up. There's already a lot of guys and gals out there that, uh, you know, are already up to speed with this. So, you know, you'd always feel like you're on the back heel, I think, with mm. it. So but I, I just thought you might as well just stick what you know, stick with what you know um, and uh, hope it survives, you know. But as I say, it seems like it's finished completely now. Uh, unless you're lucky enough to get into a stop-motion animation project. Of course, they still need models for that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's even more competitive than it was. You know, it's always been competitive, but now there's so few jobs uh, that require model making. You know, it's very competitive. A lot of the guys have gone back to their old trades, like, uh, you know, chipping, making dolls' houses joining whatever you know they just uh they've, they've said goodbye to it right right i'm probably one of the few you know surviving model makers in the country me and martin bauer and uh well the industrial guys who do architectural and mm. product model making they're still going but as in terms of you know entertainment you know, well, I, even I'm not in that anymore. I just work for collectors. Right. So I'm not doing well. There's still a couple of films in the pipeline, but they're, n they're not going to be big. Uh, Violent Star is still in post production, I think. That should be out soon. But that was a low budget thing done in Hamburg. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, actors and all the rest of it. But uh, that's been about three years in the making. <laughs> um, and. You know, that's that's uh, yeah. I'll wait for that. But uh, are you always up for commission work? If people get in well, touch, well, 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 oh, sure, sure. And again, it, it, if if they haven't got much money, then they have to, uh, you know, be happy with what they get. It's the golden triangle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, accuracy, 
speed and cost uh, pick two. Yes. You can't have you can't have all three, you know. So, uh, but um, yeah, some people have had stuff for cheap, but you know, it's been down to me to design it. Like the vehicle that I did for Violet Star, you know, they just let me go with it. There was no brief whatsoever with that one. We just we just need a spaceship. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's what they got for basically fifteen hundred quid. You know. And did you enjoy that, you know, just having but carte enjoyed blanche it, yeah. to do? But I enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed that sort of carte blanche. Uh, and you're sort of a little bit worried that, you know, what it turns out like. But um, I just had to have faith in myself that it would be okay. You know, more often than not, stuff has been okay. So just, you know, relax and uh, go with the flow. You know? Go with it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, well, thanks for your time tonight, Steve. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, yes, um, as I say, folks, I'll, I'll put on Facebook uh, links to uh, Steve's book, which is available on Amazon. Also, Steve's uh, pages that you can go and visit him I, there. All right. I, th- I thank you very much. Okay. Right. Thanks ever so for your time, Steve. Brilliant. Enjoyed it. Thank you very Thanks much, sir. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>